Are you a fan of one of the three high schools in the town of Fort Mill? Well, you've come to the right place to catch up on all the information surrounding your favorite team. We're just three old dudes who love high school athletics and love the town of Fort Mill. Call us, the Mouthy Milltowners. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Mouthy Milltowners. It is what we, what we're June. Mid it's June, July. Whenever it's July. June. It's, it's June. July. It's July. It is now, July. Yes. Keith Cook, Mac Banks, I'm John Turner. Special guest today, ladies and gentlemen. We finally corralled one of them uh, because Coach Tom has commitment issues, but we've got Coach <laughs> Mike Lewis, <laughs> head coach of the junior team, does an outstanding job, uh, assistant coach for the 4A state champion, Catawba Ridge. Copperheads, by the way, shameless plug. Uh, so we're going to talk a little American Legion baseball. We're going to talk the seniors, and we're going to talk the about the juniors, and then we're going to talk about the playoffs. Playoffs? We are. We're going to talk about the playoffs just a little bit, but we're going to start with the senior team who had a big week, a very busy week, uh, but a big week nonetheless, and it really needed to start with a win. Uh, and, Mac, it did sort of with a big butt. A huge butt. Uh, if you look at that game, Winsboro uh, was down 2 nothing, going to the third, and that's when the wheels fell off for Fort Mill. Bandits scored four times in the fourth, four more times in the fifth, one more time in the sixth. Fort Mill went to the bottom of the sixth inning, ladies and gentlemen, trailing 9-2. to two. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a broadcaster. I try to stay professional, but even I was like, okay, air's out of the balloon. Uh, you just really felt that way. But then the sixth inning came around, and guess what? It was death by a thousand cuts. Here's the score line in the bottom of the sixth. Double, sack fly, single. Hit by pitch, error, walk, single, single. Hit by pitch, single, fielder's choice, single, line out. Sounds like our One extra base hit. <laughs> but if you can manufacture runs, that's how you do it. It's the best and inning we had all week. It, 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 well, it actually was more runs in one inning than we scored in the last two games combined, it's and we're going to get to that. Best inning uh, we had all week. With that win, though, it's important. That tied the series with Winsboro at two games apiece, but Fort Mill has the tiebreaker due to run differential. So Fort Mill technically has won that series. Go on into two uh, – to Tuesday night, we took on Lancaster for the first time, and Coach Jimmy Jackson, who was on vacation, he was chilling, grilling down at the beach. Jimmy's a great guy, works really, really hard um, all year long, head coach of Great Falls, so he needed a vacation, bless his heart. So Coach Barron and Coach Good were in his stead, and uh, they came to Fort Mill. Fort Mill got out to another good start, one run in the first, three in the second, two more in the fifth, one in the sixth, cruised to a 7 nothing victory behind another great pitching outing by Sam Chiz. And I think as the season wore on, people started getting used to River Joy going out there and just shutting people down. But this is the beauty of York not having a team this year because those Clover Blue Eagles are wearing the navy blue of Fort Mill this summer, mm -hmm. and they have shown out. They really have. River Joy and then Sam Chiz, who when he's not pitching, is out in right field. And I think another really unsung hero at the plate and behind the plates, Hunter Busquet, Biscuit, as he's – yeah, basically known. And, and I, I mean, think he's came along pretty well. It's one of those things where Coach Tom is really handcuffed by, um, and I, I know it sounds really stupid, but sometimes you can have too much at one position, and you can make that argument with Fort Mill. You've got Biscuit, but you've got, got Drew Gav, who is an incredible uh, receiver of the baseball. And Scott Young. And then Scott Young. Right. It, it, what? Do you, how do you do it? And you got to get those bats in a lineup. So one's catching, one's DHing, one's playing first base. What else do you want Coach Schooler to do? You can't sit one of them on the bench, can you? No, absolutely not. I, I, as a coach, I can tell you, if you have a lot of guys at one position, uh, the first thing you got to have is you got to have no egos. Like, you got to be able to go to all three of those guys and say, hey, look, you're all going to get your time behind the plate. It may be who's on the mound. You know, if Chiz or Joy's on the mound, Biscuit's used to catching those guys. Maybe a good idea to catch them. Uh, but at the same time, you got to say, hey, don't have an ego. Do what's best for us. And uh, if you do that, then we have a better chance of being successful. And obviously all three of those guys swing the bat real well. So uh, I think he's done a pretty good job at managing it, but it, it, it'll take time uh, to do that, especially when you're bringing a Legion team together, kids from different schools, and everybody's used to playing every day at their position. Uh, and, and we've encountered that on the junior level. We've asked some guys to play some positions, say, hey, look, I want to get you in the lineup. This is how I'm going to do it. If you have an ego, then you're not going to be in the lineup, period. And what's really killer is – uh, Biscuit was in a little bit of a slump, and then, boy, he broke out of it. 
Uh, and then his last two games, he's walked uh, three or four times in, in the last two games for Fort Mill. Uh, you look at Drew Gaff, he's gotten some big hits this year. But you look at the number of pass balls or wild pitches with Drew Gaff behind the dish, uh, even for Fort Mill High School this year. Uh, and then Scott Young, here's the beautiful part to me. Is Scott a catcher? Yes, he's a catcher playing first base. But he doesn't kill Fort Mill at first base. Pop-ups are the worst thing in the world for a guy who doesn't play first base. People think it's short hops on the throws. It's actually when the ball goes above the lights and it's twisting and turning in foul territory. Yeah, try to get angles on those balls are really tough as a first baseman and a third baseman, to be honest with you, uh, especially if it's a lefty, too, because the ball spins away from you a little bit, uh, finding the fence, so on and so on. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. But, you know, I've seen Scott play first base before, and, and he's more than capable of doing it, no question. And so that game ended 7 to nothing. Uh, Fort Mill kicked the extra point. It was a defensive game. Oh, wait, Bronxport. But then Fort Mill had to turn around and play Rock Hill, which was for the series in a way. Um, now, game did not go as planned. If you go back to the first game of the Rock Hill versus Fort Mill series, it was Landon Sexton on the mound. Uh, he's at SMC, former York Cougar. He was the starter in game four on Thursday night, and – what he could do, he absolutely did again. Uh, Landon went to the, the bump for uh, Coach McCoy, went five innings, two hits, no runs, three walks, four strikeouts. Yes, some guys from Fort Mill barreled him up, but the defense was solid. The defense was really, really good uh, for Rock Hill. Fort Mill did commit two errors that were costly in a 4 nothing loss. Now, that series is tied to a game apiece. But again, Fort Mill's got the tiebreaker based off run differential. Why? Because Rock Hill won game one, two, nothing. Then Fort Mill won game two by 10 runs, won game three by eight runs. So Rock Hill had to beat Fort Mill. If you do the math, Rock Hill had to beat Fort Mill 16 to nothing in order to take the run differential. But the final score was four nothing. So a silver lining in a pretty dark cloud. Uh, Fort Mill, I think, only mustered uh, for that entire game two, two hits. base hits. So that had as many errors as, as two hits. And so offense going cold kind of at the wrong time. Yeah, Rock Hill plays Winsboro twice this coming week. Fort Mill plays Lancaster. Need Winsboro to beat them at least once, preferably twice. Because Fort Mill is exactly two games behind in the stands right. in the lost column. Right. So, I mean, if, they, if Rock Hill locks up, wins one and locks it up, that's pretty much then you're playing for second. You know, we got to take care of business against Lancaster, obviously. So, which apparently, if we go on the road, we apparently forget how to play baseball. So, it's real interesting. And I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be one of my talking points. And that's the difference in not the difference defensively, not the difference on the mound. No, it's the offense. It's, yeah, we can't. And, and usually, Fort Mill's home it, field, the hive, it's not exactly known to be a launching pad or an offensive juggernaut. Normally, Teams have to come in here and grind and scratch and claw. But we've seen Jonathan Barshaw literally hit the top of the freaking fence, literally hit it twice. One of them bounced over the Hollies for a home run. The other one bounced in for a stand-up double. And you want to talk about a guy who came in, didn't say a whole lot, but has been absolutely creaming the baseball. It's Barshaw. What a shining light he's been that no, not a lot of people really knew about. Yeah, yeah, I'll say this about, about Johnny B because he played with us at Catawba Ridge this past year. You know, he, he had, and, and I think he would be honest with you, he, he struggled a little bit this year at the plate. Uh, but one thing about Jonathan is that he's not afraid of a moment. I'll say that. He's not afraid to get a hit when it matters. He did that against Greenville for us, big grand slam. He did that against North Myrtle Beach and Lawrence for us in the playoffs. Uh, Jonathan's a really good hitter. I mean, that's definitely his best tool is his hit tool. Uh, and he doesn't say a ton. He's a funny kid when you get to know him, but he doesn't talk a lot. All I do is, is just keep tough. singing Foo Fighter songs to him because he looks like the lead singer. He, he but does look like Dave Grohl. He does. Yeah. But uh, but but Johnny's Johnny's a good hitter. His barrel stays in the zone forever. He just got in a bit of a funk for us this year, and then he was in and out of the lineup. But when he was in, he made the most of it, especially in those two big moments for us. So I have no doubt he'll continue to do the same thing here. And, I was, and we talked about this during the seniors tournament about how he kind of broke out during the playoffs for CR. And then he, he's carried that over into the Legion season. And he's just, he, like you said, he's been a real shining light. Hey, momentum's a funny thing. It is. Good momentum and bad momentum. You get it going, and sometimes everything looks like a beach ball. And then when it's not going, it looks like a golf ball. And you're trying to hit it, right? Exactly. I do this before every game. I go through the dugout and just talk to the 
to the players. Just how was their day? Where'd you go to eat? Just talking, making small talk instead of it just being all about baseball all the time. And it's been very interesting to get to know them as people, which I've come to love them. And you're right. I didn't know his name was Johnny B, but I'm going to use that from now on. If it's okay, I'm going to plagiarize. Bring it on home, John B. John B. Um, all those, uh, all those. Uh, what are, what's the show called? The Outer Banks. They'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's all they said this year at at Catawba Ridge. Bring it on Bring home, home John B. But I, but I'll say this: I flat out asked Barshow one day. Um, it was after that game he hit the home run. I said, "Where did this come from?" Because let's call a spade a spade. You did hit the struggle bus with the Copperheads this year. But I loved his answer. He looked me right in the eye very calmly and said, I finally got out of my own head. And it that was just a breath of fresh air because, and this is going to get me in a lot of trouble, a lot of players today, and even back in a thousand years ago when I played, things aren't going right. It's somebody else's fault. It's I need a new bat. I need new gloves. No, you just need to get out of your own head. Uh, simplify it. I've had a couple of former players come to me this week and ask me, hey, go on to Game Changer and look. And I asked both of them the same question. I said, how many balls, even outs, how many balls are getting hit to the opposite field? None. What does that tell you? You're way out in front. <laughs> because you got to simplify it. You have to go back to basics. Everybody's looking for that, that, that blade of grass, and sometimes they forget that the lawn is really nice. And sometimes all you need is the lawn. You don't need the blade of grass. And I know that that sounds simplistic, but you'd be amazed at how many times just that short conversation can work. Yeah, for for Johnny, and I I will wrap it up on him, but for Johnny, for me, it was always being a little more aggressive uh, early in the count. I think when he is, he's a really good hitter. When he's not, I mean, nobody – the the first rule of getting hit or hitting a baseball is swinging the bat, right? Like, so sometimes – we go in and we maybe maybe we're not guessing, but we're thinking he's going to throw me this. Or I'm thinking, no, don't. Go in there, see it, hit it, over. That's it. And I know that is super simple. But honestly, if you have that kind of mindset and just trust what you do on a daily basis to get yourself ready to play, you're fine. Don't That's be simple. afraid to swing the bat. Absolutely. That's what the problem is. So too many kids have the bat on their shoulders. Yeah. Well, some Looking kids, at strike and, three, and I'm not going to name the kid. I'm not going to name the kid, but, like, some kids, they're too – busy in their own head they think too much mm-hmm. and we've had players pitchers and stuff like that get on the mound and then like lock up freeze and you know i talked to one this past week and i'm like stop thinking just throw the ball and and then the art of fairness to coach school the one thing that he does tell the guys and i've heard him say it a lot uh either as around the coaches or in front of the team just blatantly saying it going Hey guys, just play baseball. All right? You're going it's a game of mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but you got to go out there and have fun. And and if you're worried about the mistake you just made, one you're not having fun, two now you're not completely completely concentrating on the next play, which means you could bugger it up too. So stop doing that. Move on. You can't change what just happened, but you can change what happens next. Yeah, I told and the, Tom says that to him a lot. I told the kid, I'm like, "Look, you pitch bad, no one dies." It's not like it's not like, you know, some country gets bombed because you pitch bad. You're fine. You know, it's not the end of the world. And so, but unfortunately, the offensive woes continued because you move on into Thursday night, uh, or excuse me, Friday night, I beg your pardon. It was at Lancaster. It was game uh, two of that series, uh, which has been a house of horrors for Fort Mill the last couple of years. Last year, Lancaster won the series three games out of four. Uh, I think actually walked Fort Mill off. I think Fort Mill had the lead in all three of those losses. Um and actually had the lead Friday night. It was one nothing, but it was one bad inning, just one. Um, and I will t- give a tip of the cap to the Lancaster defense. Uh, some of the plays that they made were phenomenal. Uh, Connor Griffin in left field, He, I think he robbed Eli twice. Somebody should have called 911 because he robbed about four different Fort Mill hits. They should have been hits. They weren't hits. Uh, you give Adam Wright the third baseman. Uh, it was one of those backhanded stabs, all or nothing. Either you're gonna, it's a great play, or people are gonna be like, "What the heck are you doing?" Threw across the diamond, bang, got him. Um, and it just seemed like it was that kind of night for Lancaster. Once they had a three-run lead, it's not. Here's the thing: Fort Mill has pitched well enough to win these games. The offense hasn't done their job. That's it's pretty True. simple. True. 
Yeah, I mean, I know Connor. Connor's a really good athlete. I mean, he is. And, and again, he's a guy that's at college coming back, so he's obviously filling out his body a little bit. So he's always been a really good defensive player. Yeah, when I looked at the box scores of those games, because obviously when we're not playing, I'm watching you guys on Game Changer and kind of seeing what's going on because there's a lot of kids that's on funny, that team. That's funny because we do the exact same thing with your Well, team. I mean, look, like I may be holding Gracie sometimes doing it, but I'm still doing it. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the box scores, I mean, you definitely pitch well enough to win. Nick gave you a good start. You know, Shoal comes in, Noel comes in, do what they're supposed to do. Uh, just one bad inning, and sometimes that's what it is in baseball. You have one bad inning, and, you know, it kind of snowballs. You can't get back out from underneath it. Well, that cost us in game one and uh, on Tuesday at Lancaster. Sure did, mm -hmm. yeah. One bad inning, right? Yep. You, rarely can you win a game in the early innings, but you sure as heck can lose one. That's for doggone sure. So, where does that leave Fort Mill seniors? It leaves them eight and six overall. Like we talked about, two games behind Rock Hill. There still is a chance. If you think for one second that Winsboro can't beat Rock Hill twice this week, mm, Winsboro went to Rock Hill in game one of that series and won. Okay, they beat, so you're saying there's they a beat chance. Fort Mill twice. There's yeah, like Jim Carrey in the movie. It, there actually is a chance. And it's more than, than a million to one. I mean, there is a chance it could happen. Stranger things have happened, but it doesn't really matter what Fort Mill do, or what Rock Hill does. Fort Mill still has to go win twice against the Lancaster team that just basically embarrassed Fort Mill, let's be honest, right? You shut that offense down back-to-back -back games. Uh, so how does Fort Mill respond? Because here's why it's important. This is the last two games of the regular season. the playoffs start the following Monday, and there's no room for error then. I think it helps that Fort Mill's got a home game. They seem to play better at home, obviously. Because they've got six losses and four of them's been on the road. And and by the way, of the six losses, no, hardly any of them have been donkey stomps. Right. They've been games that were close. They were games that Fort Mill could have and should have won, but could have, should have, would have all day long. But here's what I'll say about the offense. I know that we just dogged them. All it's going to take is one guy. My, my just one old man, humble opinion. I'm the get-off-my-lawn guy. I get it. But all I think it will take is one guy to get one hit in one situation and the party train is on. I really believe that the hit parade will begin. Hitting is contagious. You hear coaches say that all the time. It's actually true um, because once got one guy gets a hit, he starts to feel better. Then the guy on deck goes, well, hey, he just did it. And it just like Coach Lewis talking about, momentum's a funny thing. It is. And I love these sports psychologists say there's no such thing as momentum. Horse nuggets. Yes, there is. Um, that anyway won't get on that tirade but where we're at there basically a fort mill can either finish first or second in the league we would love to tell you what the playoff seedings are what the matchups are what the brackets are we don't know them yet um and, and that's not us being rebellious or anything like we just honestly don't know what the answer is we've heard a couple of ideas we've heard through the grapevine it could be this or could be that uh but where i'm going with it is like max said if you finish first or second you're going to have a home playoff game so either way, it's going to be – here's going to be the thing. If you look at the upstate, again, just me looking at the tea leaves, if Fort Mill's going to have a chance at, at state, you got to look at the upstate. There's Greer, there's Inman, there's Florence, there's Sumter, there's Fort Mill, there's Rock Hill. That's six teams right there that are really dang good, really good, and could beat each other on any given day. And I'm probably leaving out Conway and a couple other guys. But you see, I'm going with this. Yeah. It, but it but it helps if you got that first home, that uh, first playoff game at home. So hopefully, four mill seniors can turn it around, and uh, a team that has never had to turn around because they've been really dang good since the time they popped out of Mama's womb is Coach Lewis's junior team. I mean, listen, man, you lost all the two games in your first year, state runner up. Don't talk you, about those two games, won, okay, please? You please won not the last one. Nine games this year. I don't even remember how many last year. We won 13 last 13, year. And, and you made the semifinals of the state tournament. Technically three region championships in a row, even though one was a tie, but we're still going to count it for mm. sure. Um, I just wish y'all would start doing more of your part around here. I mean, what, <laughs> what are you – no. But seriously, I have to tip, tip my hat to you, sir, because that is freaking impressive. I don't care what level you're talking about. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say this. When, when we talked, and I, it was in this room, we sat and talked – was it three or four years ago, Mac, I think? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and I talked to Coach Collier and Coach School and Mac, and there's a lot of us in here uh, about starting the junior program when I was still coaching at Nation Ford. Uh, 
you know, I was all for it because I love Legion baseball. I played Legion baseball. I think the most fun I ever had in my life was playing my senior year Legion baseball, playing with different guys from different schools that we had beat up on each other for the last three or four years. It was a lot of fun coming together and playing, and we were pretty good. Uh, but when we started talking about what would it take to start a junior team, are we going to have the players? You know, we had 43 kids try out that first year, right? So we obviously knew uh, we were right. We were going to have the guys. Uh, and it's just for juniors is a little bit different than seniors for this. Uh, a lot of our guys, almost all of our guys, are still playing on the travel circuit, and they're playing a lot during the week, on the weekend. So managing pitch counts and things like that always makes it a little difficult. Uh, but at the same time, we knew we had talent in the area. We knew that because all three high schools are good baseball programs. Uh, and it's just getting them out there. <coughs> Excuse me. So we were able to get the guys out the first year. Obviously had a really good team that year. Uh, Should have won a state championship. I'll take that one on the chin. That's on me. A couple bad decisions in that last game, I think, on my part that cost us that game. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we bounced back, had a pretty good year last year, and, and then we've had a pretty good year this year so far. Um, for us, it was establishing culture. I think culture was already established at the at the senior level. Uh, and I'll, I'll use this word a lot when we talk, you know, during this podcast is culture is so important. It is unbelievably important what it looks like, what it sounds like on a daily basis, and getting those kids to buy into, A, playing another position, or B, you know, maybe not playing at all and coming in in the seventh and throwing the last inning when you're used to being an everyday player. So getting kids to buy in, if you can get out and win a little bit early, they'll buy into it. And I know that shouldn't be the end-all, be-all of it. Uh, but, but it really is. If you can come out and prove to them that this works this way, then they'll buy into it. Uh, so for the most part, we've done that in the first three years. I don't, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Josh Corley because he's been with me all three years, and he's been a huge part of establishing the junior program. You know, I had Coach Dan for the first two years, uh, and he wasn't able to come this year. We got Matt Levy to come out this year, uh, and, and all those guys are young coaches that want to learn. And if you watch any of our games at any, any point in the game, a coach on our staff is going to be coaching a kid up all the time. And I mean all the time. In-game, you can't – you can practice all you want, but if you don't get in-game reps, which is what I think Legion baseball, especially at the junior level, is great for, during the week getting in-game reps, we are coaching these kids up nonstop on, on how to do this or how to do that or so on and so forth. And to me, they've been receptive uh, because we have a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. So, uh, to me, that's, that's been a great part of it. And, you know, we hope to continue the success in the playoffs – uh, I'll let Keith talk about last week, but it was a challenging week to say the least. But uh, but so far so good, and we just want to kind of keep that train rolling. And I'll I'll echo that sentiment about uh, these kids getting coached up because you can look down there in the dugout and see Josh talking to somebody or or uh, Matt or even Avery for that matter, who isn't even officially a, a coach. I, I didn't mention Avery. I should yeah. mention Avery. Avery Childs is going to be a phenomenal baseball coach. He really is. He is going to be fantastic. Can you tell him that I don't bite? Because <laughs> I try to talk to that kid. I love uh, Avery. I do. As a player, I think he's doing a great. But I try to talk to him, and it's almost like I can't talk to you because you're the Fort Mill guy. Like, so, you know? no, so, <laughs> so obviously Avery played over at Nation Ford for me. I knew from day one when I first met Avery when he came to Nation Ford as a skinny little freshman, he's turned into a skinny little senior. Uh, but I knew from the first time I met Avery he was going to be a baseball coach because he's got that kind of mindset. He's super level-headed. He absorbs information like nobody else. Uh, and he, he, I know he coached for a travel team this spring with a bunch of little kids, and he said, I developed a lot of patience doing that. And we brought him on uh, in, in the junior season because, A, I wanted to have a guy I trusted, and Avery played for me, and I trust him. But I trust that kid as much as I do almost any adult. I mean, he is very mature. He's in college right now. He's doing his thing. Uh, and uh, this may he's not dependable. be known. Yeah, it may not be known here, but he's going to be coming out to Catawba Ridge next year and helping us out. Nice. One thing I did, some of the Fort Mill players asked me about your coaching style because they hadn't played for you. And – one of the things that I told them was, as I said, be prepared for this because it's just like it is in the Fort Mill locker room. Be prepared to be trusted in big moments because you never know when Coach Lewis is going to turn that dugout and go, Plyler, grab this, Balsinger, do this, whoever. And he doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what high school you went to. It doesn't matter how skinny or how fat you are. He's going to trust you to go out there and do a job that he needs done right in that moment in time. 
Yeah. They're not going to blink. You're exactly right. And, and Braden Plyler is the one to point to. Braden Plyler, who is in and out of the lineup for us, swings sometimes, DHs sometimes. And this week, because it was a challenging week on the mound because we had six games in four days, I told him, I said, hey, man, have you pitched? And he said, it's been a little while. I said, we may need you to throw at some point. And his immediate response is, yes, sir, just let me know when to go get loose. Well, who threw the last inning of the game that decided we were going to be league champions? Yep, it was uh, Braden. First and second, no outs. Go get the best team that we've probably played out. Get go get out them out. There. And he got, him out, he got us out with no runs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, it, I think you got to pull for a guy like Braden because he's such a great kid. He's a yes, sir, no, sir guy. He's awesome in the classroom. I mean, he is really, really smart. His dream is to go to Florida State. I think that dream will become a reality because he's that stinking smart. He's a good clubhouse. He's a great clubhouse guy. He causes no issues whatsoever. He's a great teammate. Guys around him love him. And so it's easy to pull for a guy like that. Very easy. And when he towed the rubber, I'm not going to lie to you, Keith was on the bro- – he was waxing poetic on the broadcast mic. I was trying to hold it down on the PA just to give a brother a little bit of a break. But there was a part of me when he towed the rubber, I was like, come on, man. Come hey, on, Ply. Well, he went 3-0 on the first guy and then battled back to strike him out. Yep. Then gets us a, a fielder's choice up the middle and a great play by another kid you mentioned. Cade Balsinger made a phenomenal play up the middle and then ends up striking the last guy out looking on a, a fastball that was definitely on the corner. Oh, yeah, definitely for sure on the corner. corner. Okay, yeah, so but I'm you've got to swing you. at that pitch if oh, you're the opposing it, player. If it's oh, close yeah. enough for you to get rung up, you better be hacking. If you look at strike three and you come back and go, coach, it was outside the zone, I don't care. No coach is going to care. Swing you didn't make the effort. The bat. Bats are four hundred dollars a piece. You might as well swing them. Yeah. I mean, what's the harm? They're not decoration. No. <laughs> I mean, you wanted to maybe in the off season. But yeah. That was that was a win. But like y'all talked about, a little bit of a challenge in week had some ups and downs. But you're not a guy for excuses. We know that. We're not even going to broach that subject. But you did bring it up. You opened the door when you said six games in four days. That's got to be held because you got to handle lineup, staff, everything, and one false move could the whole sure. thing. Sure, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it fairly briefly. Josh and I got together uh, once we saw the last rain outcome, and, and we basically said, hey, look, man, we're, we can't go into this just willy-nilly. We've got to have a really good plan. And he said, hey, I want to kind of see what you have. I'm going to put something together, and we compared them, and we ended up coming up with something. Uh, which was a plan, and we had a plan. And outside of maybe the first game, which we used probably one more pitcher than we wanted to use because it's such a high-scoring game, uh, we were able to stick to that plan for the most part. And then we had a kid like Jackson Shellnut come in and eat innings for us in a game that was going to be challenging because we had gone down 7-3 in the first inning. Uh, and then other guys came in. James Knowles, another one that hadn't pitched for us this week. We found out there's probably a little something there on the mound, right? Like, we knew we liked him, but with all the pitchers we had, he hadn't got a chance in a three-game series to really get out there and get on the bump. And we get him out there, and it's pretty daggum good. And you got him now and Boutwell. And we talked about this, uh, the first home game. Really good. The first home game against Kershaw, the 1911 Canadian Football League game. And, and by the way, real quickly, I know that that probably didn't go over well. I meant that as a funny because 19 to 11 is like a Canadian Football League final score <laughs> yeah. because they have such things as, as a rouge and going for two or one right. at the three. And I was just trying to be cute. But a win's a win. Win ugly uh, rather than lose pretty. You, that's exactly what I said to the guys after the game. I said, guys, I'd rather win a game that's ugly like that than lose a game that's ugly like that because then I'm not going to be able to let it go until we get back out here. Right. And we got to be able to let games go, Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that game was very challenging for us. You know, they came out and swung it pretty good. We gave them some free passes. They gave us quite a few. Uh, but we still had 13 hits in that game, and everybody in our starting lineup, minus the one guy who actually swinged it really well, Braden Hampton, right. didn't have a hit in that game. But every other kid in our lineup had a hit. And two guys we brought in off the bench had two hits. So that just tells you a little bit about the depth that, we've got, that we have. Um, but, yeah, that was a challenging game. And then, obviously, the rest of the week was what the rest of the week was. Well, well Hampton, Tuesday, the two, the two games against Lancaster, they could not have been more different. Right. And so, Hampton, speaking of, in that game that he didn't get a hit, he did set a program record with five walks. Five. And that's the game that we stole 18 bases. But I was talking to the – who's the gentleman that takes the tickets uh, over the junior games this past week? Oh, Lee. Lee. So, Lee and I talked for a long time before the first game Monday – 
And I said, I don't know how we're going to do it. We've got six games in four days. That's a lot of pitching to have to deal with. And he looked at me and he says, I've done this before. And he says, sometimes you get the opportunity to put some guys on the mound and, and, and find that you've got something that you didn't know you had. And in that case, it was Jack Shelnut and uh, James Knoll. And then you've got Boutwell throwing a complete game. So you're sitting there thinking, man, you know, we've got more going into the playoffs than we thought we did. Yeah, and there's more names on that list that, that haven't had a chance to pitch for us a right. lot yet that I know are good pitchers too. Yeah. So we've got a lot more on the mound going in than maybe what I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the Stuckett's brothers have only pitched a combined one inning, and both of those kids can pitch, and they're right. good pitchers too. And then Preston, Zach Young, Boutwell, uh, now James Knoll, Braden Plyler can help us if we need him to. Yeah. Uh, Carter Powell threw much better in his last game. Uh, so Well, after you went out and talked to him in the Rock Hill game, that's when things straightened out a little bit. And that might have been one of those things where you said, hey, look, man, well, just get out there and just throw the ball. Well, the big thing for him is, is you know, he's a competitive kid, and we're not going to play other people's games, right? And I don't mean that as a slight towards anybody, but we're not getting into that garbage, right? So we're going to do what we do. And if we lose doing what we do, I can handle that. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to lose or win trying to do what they do, right? And what they do is different than us. It's a different culture, and that's fine. That's on them. They set their culture. We set ours. Uh, But even in the game we won this past Friday, you know, I pulled a kid to the side in our dugout and had a brief conversation with him that handled something very fast. And we're just not going to do that, right? right? Like, this is not who I am. That's not what I represent. At the end of the day, I got to go home and be a husband and a father and look my daughter in the eye and say, hey, I did this the right way. Right. Even though she'd probably look at me and say, just feed me. But, <laughs> but anyway, Daddy, I have to – Are you talking about the mother or the daughter? <laughs> Both. Just, well, <laughs> if it's the middle of the day in between football and baseball, I'm usually grilling at lunchtime okay. for all, all right, of us. But, uh, but, no, she's definitely the better cook of the, of the two. Don't get it <laughs> twisted. But Gracie is the one I mean. But seriously, yeah. as a father, you know, and what's funny is Travis and I had this conversation because he just had a little girl about a year and a half ago, right? Yep. And he said – Mike, I'm telling you right now, it's going to change you. I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. It ain't going to change me, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're two and a half months in. Travis, I'll mark one up for you, buddy. It definitely does. <laughs> and I'm I mean, sitting it here, And I'm does. sitting here wearing a star from the sticker shop that my daughter has there created in her yeah. mind. You're, She's five, yeah. You're so. sitting in a room with dads who have girls. And, and so – Keith and I, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You can punch me in the face after this is over with Keith if you want to. But he and I had conversations about you. All, we all said lots of times, oh, it's going to soften him up. It's, it's going to find a spot in his heart. Daddy's a little girl and Mike Lewis. He'll still be the same coach. But as a dude, he's going to be a little different. Yeah, I just think for me, it's, you know, I have a son who Keith and I have sons that are the same age uh, that actually went to middle school together in high school for a couple of years before Jackson came over here. And it's different. I mean, it, it definitely is. It's different having a daughter. But at the same time, you know, you've got to be able to go home and look the people that you love in the eye and say, I'm doing it the right way. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be coaching. In my opinion, you shouldn't be coaching. You know, it, it's – I've been around Travis Collier for over a decade. When Layla was born, the guy that I knew all those years, still the same dude, but different. And in a good way, Absolutely. by the way. I don't mean that, as, oh, like, no. I mean that in a yeah, very right. positive way. Well, and and somebody somebody asked my father-in-law, one of the other siblings, uh, asked my father-in-law when Kimberly was born, who's my wife, who's the oldest of the grandchildren, and they said, when she was born, what was the, the biggest thing that changed you? Because they saw him change. And he said, a lot of things that mattered and meant a lot that used to get me angry and upset didn't matter anymore. Because I've, I realized that this little thing I'm holding in my hands is more important than anything else in this world. And that becomes your focus instead of all this, excuse the expression, piddly yeah. that, that that goes on. Um, is that fairly accurate? I, I, I think it is. And, and look, I, comically, I'm going to say, if you want to make a run to a state championship, have a daughter. <laughs> I mean, Travis did <laughs> last to year. Be a yeah. Coach Carter right. did. I had a daughter this year in April. And then, you know, we make a run to the well, state maybe championship. maybe I need to call right, Jeff so and Allie and tell, tell them Tell them to have a daughter, right? <laughs> right? So let's talk about that. Let's do the math in our heads. So nine months, month, they better get busy. We're in right. uh, July. So uh, chop, chop. Um, I, you know, I, it, I, it, it is Nation Ford's turn, sure, by the way. why not? You know what I'm saying? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why and not? we've gone he, all the way through the cycle he, now. He had a great it. first year with sure. the Falcons. Jeff Stack yeah. did. And, yeah. and, and I don't – 
I believe if unless you were in that program, I don't think you saw that coming. But I think the guys in that dugout did for whatever reason. And I'm going to say a lot of it was built off the foundation, Mike, that you put in concrete. Well, I think every coach is different. I mean, there's no question. Jeff and I are different guys. We coach differently. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I didn't want to leave anything that was – I mean, I, I love Nation Ford High School. I mean, they gave me my first opportunity uh, as a teacher and a coach, and I will forever be grateful for that. Uh, and they've got a lot of talent. Uh, you know, they got a lot of young talent. They had some guys coming back this year. So I was not surprised that they were out winning games. I was definitely not surprised at all. And Jeff's a good coach. So, uh, you know, ultimately, I want all three of these teams to be successful. We talked about this before we got on the air. I hope both schools go 24-2 and every single year. Uh, and that's it. But, yeah. you know. hundred uh, percent, yeah. I got to put you on the spot, though. So you won Monday night 19 to 11, but in game one of the doubleheader, you lost 10 to 8. Now, at that point in time, your staff had given up 21 runs. You were one and one on a week. You're staring right down the barrel of four more games. At that point in time, were you trying to pull your hair out? Were you. Well, I don't have a lot of. I don't have any hair, so that's not a problem. (laughs) But uh, but no. In all seriousness, uh, you know, I, I was and, and this I was oddly satisfied with that first game. All right, and mm-hmm. here's why they fought back. That's it. And I was going to make this comment earlier about the Winsboro game with the senior team. When you see a team that fights back, whether you come up short or not, that'll fight you for it. That's a team that you can look to to make do damage in the playoffs if they'll fight you for it. And we fought for it. Now, we didn't have enough left. We didn't get through it. But we were we about two hits away from probably winning that game. A hundred percent. If it goes another inning, you win it. Uh, I, I think it's it's probably so. I don't ever like to make those guesstimations, I guess, because that takes away from them and what they did. Uh, and they barreled some baseballs in that game, especially in the first inning. Now, we didn't help them by hitting three or four guys in the first inning, but they barreled some baseballs, and they did they did a really good job. And I'll tell you this. That Lancaster team is much improved over the one I played last year. The one that we beat last year pretty handily, they are much, much improved. Even games three and four at our place were really competitive. We it took mm-hmm. great pitching performances for us to win those games. So kudos to those guys. I know you mentioned Coach Jackson and, and what they're doing over there. So kudos to them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we kind of came out in, in game two uh, in, in that series, and we were like, hey, James, listen, man, like we're going to give you the ball. Try to give us a few innings if you can. We'll go to some else we have to. We get to the third, and I put my hand on his chest, and I said, listen, you have no idea what it will do for us if you can go the rest of the way for tomorrow and for Thursday. And All he did was throw a one-hitter. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on, one hit? Well, come on, kid. I mean, you know, James is the kind of kid that he, he's hard on himself. He is very hard on himself. Uh, but – he knows that he's a good player, and, and we've made some adjustments, but but he's a really good player. You know, Coach Bagwell does a great job over there uh, developing players as well, uh, as most coaches in this area do. Uh, but James is a really good player, and, you know, for him to go out and forget the one hit, that's phenomenal. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And that was a seeing-eye single, by the way. You better believe it was. Uh, but forget that. He didn't mention that once, which tells me a lot about who that kid is. He didn't mention that he threw a one hit or not one time. He just no, wanted to win the game. He just wanted for to the win, team. and he knew that going all going all five innings was going to help us on Wednesday, and it was going to help us on Thursday, and you better believe it did. Now you talked about it being a challenge, a challenging week, right? So here's what I marvel at, Coach: you give up 21 runs in two games, right? Then you play four games, right? Two, three against Lancaster and one against Rock Hill, and you gave up a grand stinking total of nine runs. After giving up 21, you cut it to nine in twice as many games. So where I'm going with this is your troops are finding different ways to win baseball games. If you want to grind it out five to three, knock yourself out. If you want to turn it into a Canadian football game, let's rouge it up, baby. Let's go. Put up the goalposts and rock and roll. To me – and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here. To me, that's a sign of a good, a really good baseball team, a great team, when you can win different ways. Well, here's another thing before before Coach takes you know comments about it is that Rock Hill is supposed to be the best team that we're going to see all year long. And, and they are the and, most talented. And they are very good. They are the most they are talented very for talented. sure. I would say they, they're the most talented on senior and junior, honestly. They gave up 68 runs all year long. 34 of them were to us. 
So That's we half. competed with them. Half. Yeah, but you just said that's good math, Mac. <laughs> there you go. That's, a, that's, that's why they this pay guy, me the big bucks. That's why he's the AD here. But you gotta, you have to understand, Coach, that he is a journalist. So for him, that is really good. That math. is good math. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, I'm a history teacher, so I think yeah, right. it's great math. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's one of those things where you said the word that Coach Travis Collier says all the time, and it's one word: compete. Compete, and he has said it many times, and I just heard you basically say it in a different way. If you go out there and compete and bust your butt and we play our style of baseball and we get beat, I'm not going to be happy, but I'll swallow it. I can live with that. All right, but if we go out there and shoot ourselves in the foot and hit people and walk people and give free 90s and don't swing the bat and don't move runners over, have unselfish at bats, I'm going to be a little PO'd. That's what I just heard you say. Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're 100% right. And and there's so many examples of us having good at-bats that extended games or extended innings for other guys to have a chance. You know, we talked, again, uh, pre-broadcast about Alex Smith, that bat, his, his walk, right? It's 6-5. to five. They had just hit a three-run double to get it back in the game against Rock Hill. Uh, we know they can swing it. We know we're going to have to put more runs on the board. There's two outs, guys at first and second. And Alex Smith has an 11 pitch at bat and walks. And everybody else in the stadium is going to say, oh, he just walked. But guys that know what they're talking about are going to say, that kid kept us in the game by being unselfish, by fouling off pitches that were probably a ball, ball and a half off, and just extended the at bat and made this kid keep throwing pitches to us. And then Cade Balsinger comes up and says, I got you. Hard ground ball through the middle. We score two runs, and we take you know we take an eight to five lead, and then we end up tacking on two more. It's all those two out runs. How yeah. many times have you and I been on the air, either together or separately? We've seen a two out rally start with a walk. Yep. Well, that a walk. Bat, well, in that battle, one walk, like base hit, dozen pitches. At least, I think it was at least twelve pitch twelve or thirteen bat. pitches. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but but there's just there's so many little things that happen in a game like that, and you don't ever know when you're in one of those moments. Like you don't ever know one of those little moments that are going to decide a game, or extend a game, or win a game, or lose a game. You don't know when you're going to be in them. So as a player or as a coach, you try to tell players, "Hey, look, you got to treat every moment like it is that." And if you do, then you'll have high rates of success. You know, still in second with first and second, or with first and third taking a force away, and then they get a ground ball and somebody doesn't field it the right way because we're playing on high school fields. Let's be honest, they're not perfectly manicured all the time. Ball takes a bad hop. We score two runs off of it. That's what happens in the next at-bat. So, I mean, you never know when one of those moments is going to happen. So, you have to be able to create that in your mind that this moment could be the moment for us. So, I'm going to battle my butt off, and I'm going to do that as long as I can to help us win a game. I know there's baseball decorum. We all know that from the old school. But isn't there credence in because the way offenses are today and because we're talking about two-out rallies or just rallies in general, when you're up on a team seven or eight runs and you're double stealing and people get hurt by that, you don't know when that other team's going to explode, especially if they're really talented and have bats, especially one through six. You don't feel comfortable with any lead, do you? No, and I've talked about this before. To me, if a team double steals or steals a base up eight or nine runs, it's a sign of respect to me because they respect our lineup. And when I do it in a game, it's for two reasons. One, I respect the other team's lineup, and I know how they can swing it. And I don't know what's going to happen on any given day when a pitcher comes out there. He may lose it in the next inning, and he spins a base pass full, and now we're trying to bring somebody else in. And also – You've got to conserve arms. I mean, you have to find a way you to get end games. You've got to end games as fast as you can end them. If that means it's 15 and 3, if that means it's 10 and 5, you find a way to end the game so you can live to get another guy on the bump, right? And save arms and save pitch counts, especially at the junior level when you're managing guys that are throwing on the weekend. And I, I had kids come up to me this week because we had six games in four days. Coach, I threw on Friday. I was like, okay, how many pitches you throw? I threw 80 pitches. Well, dude, you're done until, like, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, I'm okay to throw. No, I won't do that. I will not do that. I will not do anything that puts you in jeopardy and your arm in jeopardy to win a Junior Legion baseball game. It's just not – again, you got to go Although home and look. Although you appreciate the competitiveness. Love the competitiveness. And I had it from three or four guys this week. Uh, but we told them, said, hey, no, this is the date you're available. And that's it. 
no matter what. And if we lose the game because of it, guess what? We lose the game. But I go home knowing that you are healthy and that I didn't put your arm at risk, and I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, Legion may say 628, but I say 630. Well, yeah. ironically, is, is that the what thing it is? is we, we had a situation, the Legion, the state, not Fort Mill, but the state had a team this past week where a kid didn't throw. He threw against us on Monday, and then he threw – it was either Monday or Tuesday, but then he didn't have enough rest time in between. State found out State's going to make them, despite them winning the game, State's going to make them forfeit that game. And what really hurts is that and when it, he it's was just, in the game, that his team scored five or six runs to take the lead. Now that lead goes away because of basically a clerical error. Yeah, it was, and it, the – Someone, but rules someone's rules. count that's, that's, was wrong. Yeah, it's just it's not worth it. It's right. not worth it from a win loss standpoint. It's not worth it for the kids standpoint. And from for us, from guys coming from travel, nobody knows how many pitches there. I could easily throw a kid out there through ninety on Saturday and start him on Monday, but I will never do that. I will never ever do and, that. And, and by the way, I am friends with this particular player's dad, and I saw him uh, last week. And I actually asked him. I said, "What were your thoughts at the time?" And he said, "Man." I knew my kid was ineligible, and I thought it was just – as soon as he came out there, I said, well, this will be a loss just because it, the rule's going to be a forfeit. So he, he actually was relieved a little bit from a team perspective, and, and he said actually his, his son was thankful that the team – that that's all it was, that it wasn't just a loss because he felt like he did something wrong. He did nothing wrong. Well, Sometimes the adults you, get in the way. It's a that tells you thing. the heart of yeah. that kid, though. Yeah. You know but what the mean? thing was, and really the kid, you know, threw ten pitches – Pretty much three up, three down, got him out of the inning, but cost the whole pitch count rule, stuff I, I, like that. Yeah, and but but the rules are there, right? Like we all know them. It's not like they're a surprise. The rules are the rules. Right. So either you exist within the confines of them, or you choose to do something else. And and again, to me, sometimes the adults get in the way, and they make decisions because of them. And I want to win this game, and I want to win. I want to have nine wins on the season or I want to win the league that's it's not worth it it's not like you have to do right by the kids the kids know the rules the kids are more than willing to play within the rules but you have to set those parameters for them they're kids okay they're not adults the adults have to be the adults and make adult decisions and somebody asked last year to the run to the upper state championship lost in the finals but somebody asked me uh, a few days later was I upset about not getting a ring? And I said, I'm upset, but not because of that. I'm upset because those kids didn't get that moment. Sure. That's what breaks my heart. I said, I feel, I literally was crying. I said, I feel for those kids and Mr. Doug. I wanted it for them, and that's it. That's that one moment sure. in time where they'll never forget it. And I don't think they'll forget it. Catawba Ridge obviously won't forget oh, the no. dog pile and the championship. But I think that's where, where I'm going with this is this. There are people that are coaching that it's, I want to win, I want to win, 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 win. I don't think I've heard you say those words once, but you've waxed poetic about how you know these players, you know them as young men, how you use them, and how you're willing to not use them because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I, no, no question. If, if it's about anything else, then you're, again, you're doing the wrong thing. Go do something else. It's got to be about them, and it's got to be about they win games, they lose games. You can help on either side of that. Of course, a coach can contribute to that. I think we all know that good coaching goes a long way. But at the end of the day, it's about those kids. And, and again, my, our first year, that's what hurt me the most, is those kids had played so well all year. We make one error that's a three-run error. I made a couple bad decisions in that game, and we don't bring home a state championship like we should have. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's about those kids. And, and if it's not, again, you're not doing the right things, and you need to do something else. So – you have to basically sit idle because your playoffs start Monday the 10th as well, correct? Right. And so are you playing this week to try to just keep that? No, no? we're not. And the reason is because i got a lot of kids in and out of town, and uh, we're going to hold tight. We'll get back together uh, a week from this weekend. So we'll get back together and kind of go over some stuff that we want to carry into the playoffs, uh, mostly some defensive things that we want to do that we haven't done during the regular season be it picks or, or whatever it is. We'll get back together and do that. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll line up. We'll put on our jerseys and, and go play whoever we play on Monday at home, I assume, since we're one seed. Yes. Uh, and uh, and we'll kind of figure out. 
guys that have played over the weekend and, and make sure we get our pitching staff ready to go and, and go out and try to win a couple games. So I'm going to ask you this. Before that state championship game, I interviewed you before I went on the on the air. Do you remember when I asked you about the opponent? Do you remember what you said to me? Uh, about North Myrtle Beach? Or about, are you talking about oh, West Florence? West Florence. Okay, yeah. Um, not 100%. I'm you, sorry. You looked me right in the eye and you said, nameless, faceless opponent. Don't care. Yep. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. That's it. Let's play Fort Mill baseball. And that was that was your response. And I was taken back by that. Why? Because I get as a radio guy, you get so used to coach speak, right? Yeah. The same kind of cliches, and that's not what you did. You were like, "Bang, there it is." Well, as a broadcaster, we're always looking through the stats and seeing what the other team has done, and so you we're analyzing the it from BS there sometimes, and, and actually get to the truth. And that that was just, it was refreshing, is what my point is. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't I don't think I've ever come across as someone who's not going to tell you exactly what I think. Uh, I think Keith probably knows that more than anybody. Definitely. Uh, but, uh, I think, uh, for me, it's just, if I'm not honest with everyone, then how am I going to look my players in the eye and be honest with them? You know, and I think coach Stosh is like that too at Catawba Ridge. We're very much, I mean, after we lost game one to North Myrtle beach in the 4A state championship, we looked them square in the eye and said, we are no less or no more confident than we were at before this game. We're not. You trust what you do, you go out and do it the way you do it, and then it doesn't matter who they are. I mean, you, if we do what we do, then, then we should be okay. do want to change gears if it's okay, uh, guys. Let's talk about you as a person. Where are you from? All right, so I grew up in uh, – I was actually born in Kentucky. I was an Army brat. My dad was in the military. We moved to Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, I grew up there uh, in a small town called Newton, right around Hickory. Uh, played baseball, football, basketball growing up, played all of them in high school, uh, you know, rooted in education. My mom was in education for over 30 years. Uh, you know, it didn't – my path is definitely much different than everybody else's, you know, at, coming out of college and coaching. Uh, I, uh, I, I had a son when I was 19, 20 years, 19, 20 years old, so I went to work to make sure I could provide for him. I worked for Dick Sporting Goods, great company, worked for them for a long time. Uh, and then I'll never forget a conversation I had with my mom I think Jackson was about 13 or 14, and I was commenting on someone that worked for me who was like 18 or 19 who had just gotten out of high school. I said, man, what are they teaching these kids? These kids just don't have right. They don't have good habits. She said, do me a favor, shut up, and do something about it. And it's the truest statement I've ever heard in my life. My mom is, without a doubt, my favorite person in the world outside of Gracie now, of course, and Caroline, if Caroline hears this. But my mom. <laughs> well, you better wax fun about no, the missus. No, but, but she heard this. I met your wife. She'll whip some butt. Oh, yeah, she's not afraid of it. Uh, but, but seriously, my mom is phenomenal. And when she said that to me, something clicked, and I said, you know what, i got to get back to doing what I was born to do, which is teaching coach. And uh, I went back, finished up school while I was still working, I've actually been at all three high schools. Most people don't know this. I did my student teaching at Fort Mill High School. That's where I met Travis. Uh, and then I, I worked at NAFO for five years, and now I'm at Catawba Ridge and just eating up every moment. Took a nice 60% pay cut to do what I'm doing now, which is whatever. I don't really care about that. Uh, but I love what I do. Uh, of course, you know, as I mentioned, Caroline and Gracie, I'm married. Uh, I got married last year. I'll challenge anyone to have a, a, a bigger year last year than I had, by the way. I got married. House, kid. <laughs> we bought the house. And according to Instagram, it's a very, very, very fine house. I'm sure it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I am not a social media guy. I hate social media. No, no offense, but I absolutely hate it. But anyway, I, we, I got married. Well, I got engaged, got married, bought a house. Had Gracie, and we won a state championship. And not to mention, we had a pretty good year in football this last year, too. So uh, it was a great year. It was a transition year for me, for sure. Uh, but really, that's that's what I'm about. I, and Caroline, love her to death. She gets it maybe as good as anyone ever could. Uh, she knew that when we met that this was going to be – I mean, she was going to have to give up time uh, for me to do this and do it the way I wanted to do it. And, you know, she's the best. She has done it. Gracie is first game at three weeks old out at Catawba Ridge. She was watching a baseball game. And, uh, you know, she's been to a couple Junior Legion games, and she'll be at the playoffs for sure. So, uh, for me, I think the biggest part is, is you know, I'd, I'd never been married. And when I met Caroline, I knew it was right. And the way I knew it was right is, like, two weeks into it, she was at a Junior Legion baseball game. So, 
uh, I think that's a big part of it and making them a, a part of everything that I do on the field, in the classroom. Uh, that that's all it is for me, and and I just I love what I'm doing. I pinch myself every day. I wake up at 7 a.m. and go to football, and then come home and cook lunch, and then go back to baseball. I pinch myself because this is what I was meant to do, and I firmly believe that. I think it's more than just your beloved wife, and what I mean by that is there were a few games I was on the air for WRHI last year in football. It wasn't just her that was sitting in the stands, and by the way. She would look up and wave, and I think it's her mom and dad. Absolutely, that, that turned around and was yeah. like, "Who's that Yahoo?" And who's waving at us? We've never met this crazy guy. Yeah, but but they're there and they're they're rooting on, they love and it. cheering, they're into it. I'm telling you, man, that's got to be yeah. great. It, it's awesome, Jamie and Tom. I and mean, you could not ask for two bet like a better set of in laws. They are phenomenal. Of course, they are absolutely starstruck with Gracie. Uh, this is their first grandchild. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Tom came to a ton of Catawba Ridge games this year. He was at our Junior Legion game the other day with Caroline, uh, and, and they're phenomenal, and, and they're a huge support system. They love it. They listen to you on the radio. They listen to you well, on the radio. I apologize for that. <laughs> Me too. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's funny because we're rooting like we're having a party this year to, to bring back a lot of people, and what we're doing is we're bringing everybody back uh, for the Catawba Ridge South Point football game and all her crazy New York friends are coming down to experience Southern football for the first time. And uh, That'll be interesting. Yeah, I know, right? I, let's just hey, say I'm a little different than the rest of them. Come so. on down and get you some. That's what I said. I, we'll have, we'll have uh, secondhand smoke barbecue ready for them on that Saturday and, and we'll kind of go do our thing. But, but, yeah, I mean, they've been a big part of it and, and – I couldn't ask for a better support system and doing what I do. And you guys know this. If you don't have the right support system, it makes everything else tough. I, I did bring them on to the broadcast uh, during the football season last year. I will commit a sin here and to tell you about it. There was an awful call on the field. It was an awful In high penalty. school football? Are you In kidding me? In high school football. I know that's That can't strange. be. I'm just kidding every official out there. Your father-in-law, <laughs> I heard him. He goes, that's a bad call because they were sitting close. And I, you know me, oh, I have yeah. one, one earpiece on. The other one is off so I can hear the crowd. I can hear everything going on around me. And I actually said, I said, I'm going to agree with this assistant coach's uh, family right down here. That's not a good call. Well, I think that's yeah. why Stosh put me in the booth Keith's senior year because – we were the guys out there in right field telling the umpires what we thought of them. <laughs> yeah. Not waxing poetic, by the way. Well, I, luckily I have Caroline sit right below me during football games because I go upstairs. I'm in a booth on a headset. And uh, she started gathering friends that would come and sit near her uh, that were parents of football players. And they're, she's like, do you want me to tell them to, like, leave or whatever? I'm like, no. And I was like, why are you guys sitting there? And they're like, we like to listen to you on the headset because we know what's going on in the game all the time. I'm <laughs> like, well, don't – make sure you don't – don't give anything away now, yeah. okay? Yeah, there you go. And um, I only got a couple of minutes left, but I do want to bring this up. Uh, there have been conversations about how to cover uh, the junior tournament, uh, working out some details with that. Uh, there is some question about whether I'll get to do the senior tournament. We don't know yet. Uh, we're going to talk about that as a staff and get something worked out. But I will say this, whether it's Keith or whether it's me, I don't care if it's Donald Duck, we're going to do what we can do <laughs> to make nice. sure your guys get covered. We appreciate it. You know, we appreciate everything you guys do for, for high school baseball, Legion baseball, high school basketball, football, everything. And obviously Matt covers all of it and does a phenomenal job and, and really promotes everybody around here and promotes the kids, number one. Uh, but let's make sure we go cart and horse here. we got to win two series before we get there. I hope and I believe that we can. I do too. Uh, but, uh, but I want to make sure we kind of – our guys keep our eye on the ball and we go win one pitch at a time and we'll go from there. And Coach, we really do appreciate your time with a wife, a, a young lady at home. Uh, both of them are young ladies, but really young. You better say that. I uh, better say that or I'll get stomped. Um, but we really do appreciate your time. Obviously, this time of the year, not the best timing in the world. So we – are thankful for that. Uh, you're a great coach with a big heart, and uh, just appreciate all you do for the community. Appreciate that very much. Thank and guys, you. anything to uh, add before we have to say well, goodbye? I mean, we, we can all both echo that. I mean, Mike is the salt of the earth, and we've you know I've he's get, he's helped me along with all the stuff that I do for the the schools, and you know, 
Did he help you get rid of the nasty habits Chris Bott taught you, uh, especially yeah. the trash yeah. talking? Part? Yeah, he did. No? He did do okay. that. But right. you know, and and it was it was really tough for me to decide between wanting to go over to the green and yellow. So um, I appreciate everything he does. He's one of my favorite guys. Yeah, outstanding. And guys, that's going to wrap it up. So we will have another podcast next week we're going to talk about what happened the final week of the regular season for the seniors and we'll finish up the conversation with juniors because hopefully by then we'll have the brackets and the format and be able to talk about that and get that information out to everybody so on behalf of uh head coach lewis uh, michael lewis keith cook mac banks i'm john turner we'll see you crazy kids next week for another edition of mally milltowners but until then so long everybody